Amen. Thank you, man, for doing such a great job. That's awesome, awesome music that we got to declare and proclaim together today. I'll ask you to go on and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to pick up in um, in verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, that is where we are today. Uh, If you've got your Bibles and uh, just follow along, I encourage you to do that. Have them open either on your device uh, or just the Bible itself, and so you can follow along. I want to pick back up in verse 2 because I think to get into where we are in 8, 9, and 10, it certainly helps us to see where we were Uh, or at least where we are in the text. And so chapter 2 begins like this. It says, you were what? Dead. You were D-E-A-D, dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What are our two favorite words in the scriptures? Come on now. Oh, my goodness. Hello, hang on. Is this thing, is this thing working? Hello. Tech, is it tech? We got issues here. What are our two favorite words in the scriptures? Yeah, okay. Now, listen. If you, again, if you're new here, if refuge people, what y'all doing? If I ask you a question, you know I need a response? If you're new, I'll give you a pass today. But if you've been here more than twice, I need a response. Tracking with me? Yes? That's another question. Thank you. I'll be a better preacher today if you'll participate, okay? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Then we get to today's text, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so these are just some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I mean, they, I get stoked about them when I read them. As I've studied all week to pre- uh, prepare to preach this message, there's just new things that jump out of a text that we've read over and over and over in our entire lives. And I always tell people that I'm the one that gets more benefit out of uh, studying for this and preaching these messages than probably you do because I've just gone over it and over it and over it and over it and over it throughout the week. And so I'm just excited about what the Lord is going to teach us today. And so let's see where Paul is taking us. Uh, He says this, you were once dead in your sins, okay? You were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. We were all this way. That's what the scripture tells us, that all of us were this way. We fulfilled our own desires of our own body, and all of us were children of wrath. No matter what your upbringing was, no matter where you are today, no matter what your spiritual life looks today, that was the status of all of us at one point in our lives. And he reminds us of this glorious truth. What are the two words? I'll put them on the screen. There we are. Now then, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were alone in our sorrows and dead in our sins, we sang that last week, he made us alive to, uh, we made us alive together with Christ, and it is by grace alone that we are saved. That's what Paul writes. Amen? Yeah. 
Paul writes that it is by grace alone that we are saved. What is grace? Yeah, that's what I wrote in my notes. Who said that? Carol? Can you read my notes? There you are. Yeah, grace is unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor or it's undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness from the Lord. Now this, this teaching or this scripture has obviously been in the scriptures from the time that Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Yet for much of church life, especially in early church life, salvation alone through grace alone in Christ alone was not necessarily the rule of the day, not necessarily what was purported or what was preached from pulpits along the way. The Protestant Reformation, hence my shirt, uh, the Protestant Reformation was the beginning of the reclaiming, the re-going back to what the Scripture says, the reclaiming of the biblical teachings of these truths that we hold, hold fast to today. That we, that we hold close to, that we're like, we go, th- these are the things that we stand on, these five solas, uh, that, that is by grace alone, through faith alone, the finished work of Jesus alone. That happened in the because of the Protestant Reformation. And they centered around much of today's text that we're looking at today. One of the most profound issues around the Protestant Reformation back in the 16th century was the relationship between grace and merit or grace and works. What are those relationships and how do they actually work? How do they intertwine today and what do they mean to us for salvation? Grace is something we receive, okay? Grace is something we get, not because we earn it. We don't earn grace. Otherwise, it wouldn't be what? wouldn't be grace, right? It wouldn't be grace. It is God's kindness. He gives us something as a gift. Merit, or works-based, on the other hand, is a reward for something owed. If I, need, if, I, if, if I have merit in something, then it means that I'm owed something. I've done something, and now you owe me something for what I've done. You owe me because I've done something in return. That's merit-based, whatever it is. Whatever you want to apply that to, that's where merit comes from. And through the years in the American church, this has kind of gotten blurred. Kind of the, the, uh, the message of this somewhat has gotten blurred. Many times we'll say we're saved alone by grace alone, the finished work of Jesus alone, and we'll say those things, but we don't necessarily live them out in the same way. That's an essential part of our salvation, to understand that God would reward the unjust. Now, this reward for works uh, was the heart of the controversy that provoked this, the Protestant Reformation. Way back in the day, this was the thing that provoked how this Protestant Reformation came, from, came to. And when you think about Protestant Reformation, we think there was a Catholic church, Martin Luther, we're going to get, I'm going to talk about all that, and then the Protestant church, which was not Catholics, uh, came into being. And then there's lots of things that happened from there, but we're only getting to this piece today. And this teaching around the Protestant Reformation had a central piece, that, and, and it really dealt around the sacraments of penance uh, and, and around the teachings around indulgences within the Catholic church. Now, many of us have heard the stories of a guy named Martin Luther. 
Not Martin Luther King Jr. that I always thought this talked about when I was in church. I didn't know who Martin Luther was, and I thought they were talking about Martin Luther King and what they were talking about didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I was like, really? That happened that recently? Anyway, it didn't make any sense. Martin Luther is a great theologian. I'm like, yeah, I was confused as the day is long. Maybe you are too, and you may have never heard of Martin Luther. But Martin Luther uh, was a uh, was a priest back in the day, and he was wrestling through all these things about indulgences and, and, and the practices of the Catholic Church, and what he was seeing wasn't lining up with what he was reading in the Scriptures, okay? That happened to me a lot whenever I was uh, a young guy in church, and I grew up in the church, and so what I saw in the church and what I read and what I heard, those things didn't line up. What I saw people, the lives that people live, they didn't line up with what was happening on Sunday, so I left the church. I thought Christianity is just hypocrisy. It's just a play thing, something you do on Sundays. And I had better things to do than pretend. And so I walked away. And so I'll just tell you today, if you're one of those people like me, like I was, man, Christianity is so rich and so full and so real that God loves us and he calls us to something different that we're not, we don't have to pretend. Christianity is not about pretending and putting on a front for people. Christianity is about being, about being saved from our sins, about release from our sins, and given new life in the spirit that lives within us and calls us to joyfully serve the Lord. That's what Christianity is really about. Not a front, not religious activity, okay? That's free. That wasn't even in my notes. So, so the story about around Martin Luther uh, was he was objecting to the way these indulgences were being taught in the church, and, and, and they were used to kind of fund the church that time at Rome. And, and so, the, in essence, the, te- the church's teachings on indulgences was really to the lower class of Rome, and it basically held the idea of this, that one could buy forgiveness for their sins. That one could pay enough things to the church... And somehow the church would absolve them from their sins. That's what the church was teaching, the Roman Catholic Church was teaching during the time. And so this was related to the sacrament of penance. And so the sacrament of penance is just one of many sacraments that the church had in Rome. And and they defined it as this special sacrament, this special thing that was going on. uh, It was given to the church to aid those who had, quote, made a shipwreck of their souls. So if you've really done something really, really bad, then you needed to do some type of sacrament of penance to overcome the sin that you might have done. So what, what were some of those examples might be? Hard to say, but whenever you, you know whenever we've done something, you go, I've blown it. And I, I've done something so bad that I'm sure God would never forgive me. You may have walked in like that today. I mean, maybe some of you believe that you've made a shipwreck of your soul, yet you've walked in today. Maybe some of you who are watching online believe that you've made a shipwreck of your soul and you're just looking for a life preserver somewhere along the way. Maybe you believe there's no hope for you for eternal life because of what you believe you've done that's so unforgivable. Maybe you believe that God would never forgive a person like you. That's a tough place to be. I want to tell you that there is hope. Allow me to remind you of our text today. What does it say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Look, look. This is not your own doing. 
It is the gift of God. And so what Paul was writing to the church, he was saying that salvation is such a gift and there's nothing that you can do and God is giving you a gift. How do you, when do you get a gift? Sometimes whenever it's your birthday, sometimes people surprise you with a gift and you don't even know why, right? But we don't do anything to receive or to, uh, to deserve a gift. It just comes freely to us. In the same way salvation comes to us, those of us who are undeserved, people like me and you, who sometimes walk away from the church or, or, have driven, or run away in the other direction from the church or hate the things of God, I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I believe God planted Refuge Church was to call those to back to church or to come to a place, people who hate the church, people who have been wounded by the church, people who have believed some weird, weird things about the church, and for us to go, man, we're just a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus. I believe that's why he planted Refuge Church. Kind of strip away all the other stuff. I don't know if you've noticed or not, it's not that fancy around here. We're just trying to be about Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation is not about how bad you are. We all fit into that category, right? And we all fit in that category. Salvation is about the kindness of God to sinful people like you and me. Man, that's awesome. All right, back to the Reformation. So in the Roman Catholic Church, justification takes place through the instrumentational cause of baptism, okay? In the Roman Catholic Church, Salvation comes through baptism, and so those baptized receive this infusion of justifying grace into their souls, and they remain in this state of grace unless they commit a mortal sin. Unless they commit a mortal sin. You say, well, what is a mortal sin, pastor? A mortal sin um, is called a mortal sin because it has the capacity to kill saving grace. I'm not even joking. It's what gets taught. This is what's being taught, or was being taught for sure, in the Catholic Church. What are some of our favorite things to say here at Refuge Church? Remember this church? Where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. Let's practice it. Where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. Now, only about 30% of y'all participated, and I can see you all from here. So let's try it. One more time, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. There you go. So if you knew people, I know you didn't know those hand motions, but they're simple, and so you'll know them next time. That's one of our favorite things to say here at Refuge is where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That teaching flowed from the Protestant Reformation. Roman Catholic Church would say there is a sin that abounds where grace can't quite get over it. There is a sin of bounds that grace just can't overcome. There's something that you can do once you become a Christian even that God can't say that he just can't rescue you because you've really done something really, really bad. Here's what the Apostle Paul would say. Apostle Paul would say, there are things that I do that I don't want to do. And there are things that I don't do that I wish I would do. Thanks be to God for his indescribable grace. Amen? Yeah. And so uh, Romans 8.1 would say this, there is therefore now what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus uh, for the law of sin and uh, for the law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. So Jesus is the one who forgives our sins, right? Jesus is the one who forgives our sins. And the scripture says, if we confess with our mouth uh, the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. Jesus said this, that, uh, that the Father gives him his people and no one snatches them out of my hands. So when you become a Christian, Jesus says, ain't nobody going to get you out of my hand. He started a sentence with ain't. Uh, okay? Ain't nobody going to get you out of my hand. That's one of the translations. Nobody's going to snatch you out of my hands. And so you might have, it may not have been the Roman Catholic Church. It could have been other religions because other denominations teach that you can lose your salvation. You can sin and lose your salvation. What a weak God. I don't serve a God who is weak. I serve a God who declares something and it happens. I serve a God who declares things and there ain't nobody going to change that. Okay. And so when he says that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, that don't mean that I can make myself a not new creation, okay? He says that we are new creations. We are filled with the Spirit of God. Now, again, back to what Roman, uh, Roman Catholicism teaches and what the Reformation was about and what got driven from this verses uh, from Luther, members of the Catholic Church would go to church for confession, sacramental confession. And so they would go to a priest who would then absolve their sins. That's part of the sacrament of penance. And so in, in Rome or in the Catholic church, the, the initial uh, 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 justification comes through baptism. But like I said, it can be lost somewhere through if you commit some particular sins and you have to be justified to do some things like uh, some type of penance. In other words, the way back to restoration, to be in a state of grace after one has committed some mortal sin, is through the sacrament of penance. That includes several parts. One of them is a sacramental confession. And so a person goes to the church, and goes to the confessional, and confesses his sins to who? To the priest, not to God. Confesses them to the priest. And then follows this priestly absolution, where in the name of Christ and through the power of the what? Church, the priest grants absolution. That's not all. Then he gives certain tasks to perform. And they, these, these were called works of uh, satisfaction. So just to prove that what you've done and you're sincere about these, go and do some of these things and that will prove to you, and that will prove to God, and that will prove to the church that you're serious about what's been going on. Now, that's a complete different understanding that happens in Protestantism for those, who are, those of us who are not Roman Catholics. Roman Catholicism sees penance as an action that must be performed, including works of satisfaction. And sometimes those include things like saying the rosary. There's beads that they have around, you know, that they wear and they keep, and they'll, they'll say our fathers and, and different prayers that come along with those kind of things. Uh, and, and sometimes they'll do this one. 
the giving of alms. Alms for the poor. Thank you for some of those who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> giving one's money uh, can absolve you from some of your sin. Now, the Roman Catholic Church was very careful to insist that in the giving of alms, in order for it to be pleasing to God, there had not to be something that you were expecting in return. That was the initial teaching around this. Uh, that he wasn't trying to buy for himself something of influence for the Almighty, uh, but really he was looking for the forgiveness of his sins. And so what was going on in Germany back, this is like in the 1500s again, when Luther was writing all this and really was working around what it meant to follow Jesus and what, it, what grace actually meant to us. Uh, he had seen so much corruption that had come into the Catholic Church, uh, especially within, with uh, teachings around indulgences. And so he went to, to correct this, this uh, teaching around indulgences and the corruption that had come. And in the middle of it, he actually discovered what the Bible actually said about grace. That's how all this, this, our churches came about today. He noticed that specifically in our text that Paul, uh, and, and when he wrote in, in to Romans and he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, that he just like smashes to smithereens any claim of merit by a believer that follows Jesus. This is what the Reformation was all about. It's, is our justification accomplished through a mixture of faith plus works or by grace through faith alone? That's what the Reformation was all about. Is it a mixture or is it by grace through faith alone? So let's talk about grace. She died 30 years ago. No, I'm sorry. That's how it works up here sometimes. So there are two kind of unhelpful ways uh, to think about grace. Uh, so sometimes we think of grace uh, just as simply unmerited favor. We, we talked about that. Somebody talked about what grace was uh, just a while ago. But sometimes that can seem ethereal, right? I mean, sometimes that can seem just kind of heady and it's just up here and we go, okay, unmerited favor. You know, we don't use those words a lot. We don't kind of think about those in some concrete terms. And so unmerited favor is true about grace, but sometimes we don't talk like that or we don't really think about those kind of things unless you're, you know, the preacher asks you what the question is and then you answer it that way. So sometimes we think, um, it, we think of it in those terms. But here's what grace is. Grace is really personal. Grace is something that God does. Grace is a divine activity. Grace is an expression of something given toward the undeserved. If God were not gracious, then honestly, there would be no such thing as grace. If he weren't gracious, we wouldn't even know what grace is. But Paul's using this term grace in Ephesians as a method on the basis by which we are saved. In other words, Paul lays out this instrumental cause of why we're saved. Instrumental cause is the means by which something comes to pass. Okay? So he's laying out this instrumental cause on how we're saved. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, again, defines the actual cause of justification as being the sacrament of baptism. If somebody's going to be justified, they're justified automatically by uh, baptism. So according to the church, according to Catholicism, it's the actual cause of justification. Protestantism, those who are not Catholics, on the other hand, says that the actual cause of justification 
by the means by which salvation is granted to you and me is grace. You are saved by grace through faith. Which brings us back to our text today when Paul writes this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So let's just look at that for a minute. I mean, just look at it. Would you just look at it? I look at that and I just go, would you just look at it? It's something for us to ponder on, okay? I'm kind of being funny, but that's something for us to ponder on. This is really where Christianity comes together. This is really what sets us apart. So really what sets Christianity apart, we are, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Look, I want you to underline your Bible. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing, okay? It is the gift of God. The source of our salvation is what? I'll answer it for you. The grace of God, okay? It is the grace of God. And the instrumental cause of how that it gets applied to us is faith. Now, there's lots of questions that come around, and they go like this. Is sal- when you read this verse, theologians sometimes will go, well, is, is salvation a gift of God, or is faith itself a gift from God? You know what the answer is? Yes. Both are a gift from God. In both ways, when we read that sentence, we have to come to the conclusion that faith is a gift from God, and salvation is a gift from God. There's not about human effort. This is not about human ability. This is not about asking Jesus into your heart. Now, sidebar. Now, I know we good recovering Baptists have from time to time said those words. How many of us have ever said, I've asked Jesus into my heart? Raise your hand. Okay? That is, that is Baptist vernacular at least. I, could be others too. But or let's just call it good southern church vernacular. How about that? That's fair, right? Asking Jesus into our heart. Now, I don't read that anywhere in the scriptures. Okay? I don't read it in the scriptures. And so we don't use that terminology here because it's not in the scriptures. And so the terminology that we use is biblical language. We say we want you to repent and believe the gospel. Listen, parents, I know it's cute whenever our kids are little and seven and we're talking to them about Jesus and it's precious. And we get a chance to talk to them about, and they want to know and they want to ask Jesus into their heart because they've heard their friends say that. And they're, they're sincere as they can be. Here's what I want you to teach your children. Hey, you know what we do? We repent of our sins and we believe the gospel. Okay? Don't, don't talk in their language. If they, you, if, when they're children, you correct their language about every other thing, right? Do you? I hope you do, parents. And how much more so important is it for us that as people who follow Jesus, that we give good, sound, biblical teaching? This is not just for me to do, Okay? This is not just for your, te- your kids' Sunday school teachers to do. This is for you to teach good, sound, biblical teaching to your children whenever they start that. And that's wonderful. And you start to talk to them about what it is that they believe. Then you, 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 you guide them toward repentance and faith. Okay? 
repenting of our sins and trusting Jesus. Okay, can we do that here? Yes? All right, I'll hold you to that. Parents, use that language even if it's new. Salvation is of the Lord. Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Your salvation was not your own doing. You didn't ask Jesus into your heart. The Lord awakened you to the gospel, okay? He awakened your dead heart. We talked about being dead in our sins last week. He awakened you to the gospel, and he gave you the faith to believe. So you repented of your sins and believed the gospel. That's what happened, right? That's what you did. Let's talk in biblical language, church. Let's teach. Let's disciple our children. Let's disciple our families. Let's disciple our friends in biblical language that means something to them whenever they look into the scriptures and go, I don't see anything. Whenever they get to be 17 and they look and go, I don't see anything about asking Jesus into my heart. What is this stuff my parents told me? You with me, mom and dad? And because it is a work of God, because salvation is a work of the Lord, every day, believers, we should be praising God for the fact that he has received us as a gift. Not only the salvation that comes through faith, but the gift of faith to believe in the first place. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay? There's a song that we sang, used to sing in the church that I grew up in. I have decided to follow Jesus. Remember that one? Yep. Nope. You didn't decide. The Lord awakened your dead heart and infused you with the faith to believe and granted you faith and repentance. Okay? That's biblical language. That didn't like flow into a good song. I'd like to be able to make one up, but it doesn't really flow into a song like that. That's why we don't sing that song here. Because it doesn't line up with biblical language. Martin Lord Jones said this, Thank God my salvation does not depend upon my frail hold on him, but on his mighty grasp on me. Amen? Man, I love the fact that he is, I'm not holding on to him, but he's holding on to me. We used to sing that song here at Refuge or in the early days. We need to sing that one again. If that was not enough to seal the controversy kind of once and for all. Paul gives another qualifier that no one should ever miss. Look in verse 9. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay? There's nothing that we do to work ourselves into heaven. There's nothing that we do to make ourselves righteous before God. There's nothing that we can do to clean ourselves up and come to God. Some of you are not Christians today because you don't think that you're clean enough to come to God yet. Okay? Newsflash. You won't ever be. No matter how good you think you're going to get to, you won't ever be. None of our, our good works are like filthy rags before a holy and righteous God. Nobody cleans ourselves up. No, this is not a result of works. Our salvation, our goodness, our righteousness is not as a result of works so that none of us have anything to brag about. It, think about that. If I had something to brag about, if I kind of brought myself and cleaned myself up, I could go, yep, God chose me because I got my act right. I don't know what's wrong with you. You've probably heard that before. That's not Christianity. That's self-salvation, which is idolatry. All right? Fired up today. 
hymn that's called Rock of Ages, and a line that says, nothing in my hand I bring, what? Simply to thy cross I cling, right? We don't bring anything to this. We're just holding on to the cross. We're like, this is my only hope. The, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus is our only hope. Another one, we sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Paul said in, in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law, by doing good things, by trying to keep the law, by trying to keep the Ten Commandments, by trying to keep other things, by trying to re- keep religious codes. The Bible says explicitly that no one will be justified through observing the law. The law was given, sidebar, the law was given to show us our desperate need for Jesus, Okay? that we can't keep it. Do you think you're keeping the Ten Commandments? You a fool. Okay? You can't keep them. You stink at it. And if you think you have, come to me afterwards, and I'll show you where you're not. From the Scriptures. Not, not from me. I'll show you from the Scriptures. Jesus already addressed this. We don't save ourselves by keeping the rules. Now, there's one more thing to say before we kind of get off this. Um, the apostle is teaching with crystal clarity the doctrine of justification by faith alone. That's what he's teaching here. And so there's this heresy that was called antinomianism uh, that kind of sprung up around this. Uh, and, and antinomianism says that justification is by faith alone, and then all I have to do is just believe, and I'm not required to do anything past that. And I'll tell you, that's what asking Jesus into our heart has gotten us into a lot of places today. Listen, some of you who ask Jesus into your heart somewhere along the way and are just kind of coasting on, you know, you know what we call it here? What do we call it here? Golden ticket theology? Where I did this thing when I was seven and there's not been a change in my life since then? Or when I was 13, when I was 22, when I was 44, and there's not been a change in my life since then? That's golden ticket theology that says, I prayed the prayer, so I must be right. I've got my golden ticket, and one of these days, I'm going to get to heaven. You know what I'm going to do with God? Whoppa! He's going to say, that's useless. He says, our lives should line up with our confession. The life we live should line up with what we declare that has happened with us, that we have been rescued from our sin. There is no works that gain merit for your salvation, but there is an imperative directive that works works must, say must, must follow your salvation. Here's another phrase to remember from the Reformation. Justification is by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Okay? What does this mean? It means that true faith will inevitably lead and manifest itself into a performance of a works obedience. Roman Catholic formula for justification was this. Faith plus works equals justification, okay? That's what Rome taught, and that's what uh, 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 Luther was railing against, that it was not faith plus works that equals justification. He's like, eh, that's not right. But here's what it means. But faith, which leads to works, equals justification. 
It means that a person is justified not on the basis of works, not by the work, not by the works or through the works, but he is justified unto good works or to do good works. We do work from our justification, not for our justification. Amen? All right, let's wrap this up. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There it is, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. F.F. Bruce, he's a commentator, uh, uh, and a lot of different, the scripture says this. He says, we are his work of art, his masterpiece. We are God's work of art, his masterpiece. You and I are literally the apex of God's creation. Not even the angels, the scripture tells us, are made the image of God, but you and I are made in the image of God. But man, in general, is not the masterpiece that Paul's writing about here in verse 10. The ultimate masterpiece is a human being that despite being dead in their trespasses and sin, has been made alive together in Christ. Paul describes this in his second letter to Corinthians, and he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You, Christian, are his masterpiece. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The purpose for which we have been chosen is to be conformed to the image of Christ. To be look like Jesus. To be servants of God. To be people of obedience who live lives of godliness and righteousness. It's what we call you regularly to here at Refuge. It, honestly, it's where our five G's came from. You, you, we talk about that all the time. We'll talk about it today in our Discover class. You, you'll see it on the board out there. And, and that, that's really talking about gathering and giving and getting involved and being part of a gospel community. We don't do that just to be cute, even though it is. Uh, we, we don't do it just to be cute. It's to go, this is what a life might look like played out. When, when Jesus has changed us and the Spirit of God lives within us and we live within the family of God, this is how it plays itself out. This is what it looks like to gather together. As people of God, we should want to come together on Sundays, right? We should want to come. And man, I'm thankful for this technology. Man, we've got multiple cameras. There we are. That's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, red dot over there. Uh, uh, that, we got cameras around and people can watch from home and, and people can see us whenever you're sick or you're traveling. I love that. But man, God calls us to gather and be together. One of the things we say about Refuge Church is once you become a family member here, once this becomes your home, man, come, gather, be part of this. We also want you to go on vacation, a really nice one, really, really relax, go to the beach, go to the mountains, whatever your thing is, go. Hey, sometimes you got to travel with your family somewhere. Sometimes you got to travel for work. I get all that. But when you're not providentially hindered from doing those things, Man, show up. Gather with your family. God does something. There's something about it. God doesn't call us to gather just for kicks kicks and giggles. He calls us to be together because he does something special in the gathered people with us. So we want you to gather. We want you to get involved. We want this to be your church if that's where you want to be. Our church will be better because you're a part of it. You've got gifts that I don't have. This is about all I can do, okay? 
Everything else that happens here, somebody else has to do. And the reason that you're here is because you have gifts and you will use them and we'll be a better church and more people will know Jesus when you're involved in your church. We want to be part of a gospel community because you need to go and grow in grace. We want you to give. Listen, you need to give regularly, sacrificially, and generously to the work that's going on at this church. This is your home. That's what you need to do. If you belong to another church somewhere, you need to do that in your other church. Regularly, sacrificially, generously to the work that's going on. Again, this is not some clever alliteration. It's a practical way to live out what it means to follow Jesus. Salvation is not the reward for obedience. It's the reason for obedience. So what do we do? What now? In light of all this, what do we do? Here's what we learned today. The only merit that can justify me is the merit of Jesus Christ. Okay? The only merit, nothing you can do, nothing you can do can justify yourself The only merit that justifies you is the merit that Jesus has. His righteousness, his sinless life, his vicarious death, his resurrection, to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him, which means all that, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. That's the only thing that brings us any merit. Grace means God loves you. Listen, for God so loved the world means for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, because the world's condemned already. He sent his son into the world to save the world. He sent his son in the world to save you, to rescue you from your sin. There are no works that gain merit with God for for your salvation. None, except the work of Jesus. But you are saved for good works. What does that mean? Live differently. You're called to something different, Christian. Your life should be different, Christian. Our lives should be lived differently, Christian. That means we love God. We love people. That means we reconcile with those who who we don't seem like to be reconciled with. That means sometimes we take, t- take the brunt of things even whenever we don't feel like we should take the brunt of things. That means we're quick to forgive. We're quick to apologize. We're quick to run to those who need our help. We're quick to give away things for the sake of others. That's what sometimes how that plays itself out. The question is this. Are we doing this? You have to answer that question. Each of us has to answer that question. Is this the life I'm living? Do I have a desire to live this way? And the truth is, if we don't have a desire to live this way, we have to examine ourselves and go, does the Spirit of God actually live within me? Have I been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Jesus alone. Does the Spirit of God actually stir up with these things within me? If it doesn't, then we're going to invite you today to come to Jesus. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. To come to Jesus. 
today to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. We're going to invite you into that today. We're going to invite you to become a Christian today. We're going to invite you to put all down all your religious things today. We're going to, put, we're going to ask you to put down all that religiosity that you may have grown up with, even that the church might have taught you somewhere along the way. We're going to ask you to put all that stuff behind you and come to Jesus. You pray with me for those around you. Let's pray together.